Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Rebecca, for those of you who, who haven't met me before. Um, I'm part of the pastoral staff here over the summer, um, and it's good to be here. I'm just going to move this microphone over this side. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get straight into our message this morning, and um, we'll come back to a time of worship at the end. Uh, and this is our last Sunday in the Psalms. So over the course of January, we've been looking at a psalm a week, uh, and this week we're going to finish with looking at Psalm 66. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a picture of me when I was three years old. <laughs> My parents are currently selling their home, so I've been looking back at old photos, remembering some of the stories that this house has been a part of. And this photo is pretty soon after we moved into the house, actually, and I, it reminds me of the brown wallpaper that there was at the time. It was a very 1970s vibe. Um, reminds me of the work that my parents did in kind of updating the house over the last 30 years. Uh, reminds me of my favorite toy, Pinky, which is a panda, which I'm clutching in that photo. Used to be pink, hence the name Pinky, no longer pink. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, this is a photo of me and my brothers when we were in the local production of Oliver Twist. We were showing off our costumes as orphans uh, and showing off our brand new driveway as well. After we did alterations to the house in 98, um, mum and dad organized this brand new driveway in, uh, which is what I remember when I look at that photo. This is a photo of me with my lamb, and I was year six. Uh, I went to a country school just for one year and begged my parents to be able to allow me to have a lamb. My cousins had had lambs, and my other cousins had had calves every year. And so this one year, I got to have a lamb. And so this reminds me of um, how our backyard was used as food for my lamb, and we had to make sure that our <laughs> the, the chain that I tied her up with was short enough so that she couldn't reach the rhododendron bush across the other side of the yard, because rhododendrons are, are poisonous to lambs. So a few, a few of my my favorite memories of, of my, my house. And I'm, it's really precious to be able to have memories. And I, I think of maybe I'll share these with, with the future generations, um, remember what my parents did for me and how I grew up. And we are fortunate that we now live in an age where it's easy to, to remember things. You know, when traveling, we can collect key rings or postcards or things. We can take photos on our phones. It's really easy to view the photos on our phones too and cheap to print them out. But what about things that are hard to photograph? What about things that are hard to keep a memento from? And I remember the time that Dad helped me pack my bags when I was moving to England, or the timely hug of a friend, or the encouragement of a colleague just when you feel like giving up. How do we capture the overwhelming emotion at the death of a loved one, or the hope of a promise? How do we remember what God has done for us? One way the Israelites remembered what God had done for them was to have festivals. For instance, every year the Israelites remembered the Passover festival. This was when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. God knew they had short memories, and so they, he gave them these festivals so that all future generations of Israelites would know and remember what God had done. Why? so that their hearts would remain turned towards God, not towards other things. 
Another way the Israelites remembered what God had done for them was to record it in a psalm. Now, psalms could be individual things or corporate things. When they were corporate things, they were often sung as hymns, a reminder to the whole community about what God had done for them. Some sometimes lamented difficult and sorrowful situations, as we saw a couple of weeks ago with Psalm 51. Or they praised God, as we saw a few weeks ago with Psalm 104, which praised God for his creation. Now, Psalm 66, which I'm going to read in a moment, is another praise psalm, specifically a psalm of thanksgiving. It is clear that the psalmist believes that God is active and works among us. So the psalmist praises the Lord for what he has done and invites others to come and see God's awesome deeds for mankind. Now, listen out that the first 12 verses, or pretty much the first half of the psalm, are a psalm for the community. He uses we and us. And then the last eight verses are personal, um, where he uses I. So let me read Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you in an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But surely God has listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Praise to the Lord. Let's look a bit closely at what the psalmist thanks God for. Verses 5 to 7, he praises God for things from long ago. Verse 6 says, he turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. The psalmist remembers the crossing of the Red Sea as God led the Israelites out of Egypt and the crossing of the Jordan River to take over the promised land. You know, the psalm was probably written after the exile of Israel and Judah. A few clues tell us that. The mix of genres, the established sacrificial system mentioned near the end of the psalm. But if true, that means the psalm was written about 400 B.C., And an estimate of when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea is about 1400 BC. 
That's a thousand years that the Israelites have passed down this story through the generations such that it's still a focal point for their remembrance of what God has done. Imagine, imagine if in a thousand years your descendants are still telling the story of what God did for you or did in your lifetime. Wouldn't that be amazing? What things of long ago do you need to remember? Perhaps aspects of our country's history or the history of this church or the history of this family, of your family? What things of long ago do you need to remember? The psalmist also thanked God for things in recent past, in verses 9 to 12. He starts off by saying that God preserved us. Verse 9, he has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. You know that feeling when you're contemplating crossing a stream and there's a a slippery looking log on this side and there's a few rocks on this side and you're like, do I choose the log and try and balance my way across or do I just accept that I'm going to get wet feet and just plow on through anyway? And that's, that's the image that I think of when I think of God keeping my feet from slipping. I'm like carefully stepping across the log and suddenly you've made it. You're on the other side and everything is on track. You didn't slip or fall and that's what God has done for you. But sometimes we don't realize until afterwards that, oh, I was going across a stream? How did I not get wet? (laughs) Um, Last month, Anita came and shared that when she was at the traffic lights on her scooter and it went green, she went to go and her her scooter seized up. Um, Suddenly it wasn't working. And then next minute, a car came hurtling around the corner, ignoring the red light. And looking back, she can say that God prevented her from getting hit. He preserved her. I look back on my past relationship before I met Wesley and realize that God protected me from making a mistake, from committing my life to someone that wasn't right for me, something I can only see with hindsight. And it does take faith to trust that God, something was God's intervention, often comes when we realize there's no other way that that could have happened. While other people use words such as destiny or chance or fate or it was the universe, we choose to trust that God will make our path straight, as in Proverbs 3 verse 6. The psalmist also testifies to a time of testing. Verses 10 to 12 read, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. The psalmist here is telling of a time of difficulty for his community. And we don't know what the situation was. We could imagine it's like our modern day equivalent of people losing their jobs or a death or a natural disaster. But his point is that God used this difficulty as a time of testing and refining. You know that when silver and other precious metals are refined, they're melted down in a blazing hot furnace so that the impurities come to the surface. You can then scrape off the impurities, and then what you're left with is something that was more pure than what it started with, more costly, more precious than what you started with. But this process of refining is not easy. You know, it's, it's hot. It takes a long time. And the metal needs to change shape. You know, it has to be melted down before it can be reformed. And the psalmist is saying, well, that's what it's like with us. You know, when we go through tough times, God works in us to refine our character. The impurities, the bad habits, the wrong belief, 
they're challenged and cut out. The psalmist can now look back on this time of testing and say, you know what, we're stronger for that. At the end of the first year of my PhD, I had to sit an oral exam, um, defend what I'd done so far. Uh, Until that point, you're called a probationary research student, and then you sit this exam, and then you become an official PhD candidate. And so I, you know, I prepared well for this exam, I was ready for it, um, and I, I went in with my two oral examiners and my supervisor, and it went terribly. <laughs> it went, um, I, I was asked so many questions, I got a little bit defensive, I actually cried, which I don't recommend. Um, I felt really embarrassed, <laughs> and just like, I'm not, not good at research. But you know what? I got through that time. I I actually passed the exam, miraculously, um, and became a better researcher for it. And God doesn't promise that our lives as Christians are going to be easy. It won't be. Jesus warned that persecution was coming, but the beauty comes in the result. James encourages us to consider trials as joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James 1 verses 2 to 4. We can choose not to persevere, to exit the hotness of the refining furnace and stay in the cold where our impurities stay locked within us. But James calls those who persevered blessed. So may we be able to look back on our lives and praise God for the tough times, the testing, because God used it for good. The psalmist also praises God for his blessing in recent times. Verse 12b, that you brought us to a place of abundance. Although the Israelites endured 40 years in the wilderness, they eventually got to the promised land. They got to this land that was flowing with milk and honey, that was a blessed land, that was the outworking of of God's blessing to Abraham. And over and over again in scripture, we see God's blessing, a child to an infertile couple, provision for a famine, a job in the king's palace, refuge from war, the blessing of the Holy Spirit to all people. Because God desires good things for his children. Matthew reminds us of this when Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Sometimes God does just lavish upon us riches which we couldn't foresee and maybe didn't think to ask for. Maybe we're the only ones bidding in a house auction, so we win it. Someone's giving away their furniture just as we're moving into a new house. Maybe we get the scholarship or the funding that we applied for. When I moved back to New Zealand after living in the UK for five years, I ended up working in a job that had working relationship with Oxford, the city that I had lived in. So two years later, I got to go on a paid work trip back to Oxford for four weeks. I was able to catch up with many of my friends there and just enjoy being in a city that was special to me, all for free. (laughs) What blessings has God given you? The last section of the psalm is a vow of thanksgiving. It's apparent that the crisis or trial of the psalmist is now over and he recommits to God the vow that he promised during his time of distress. For for him, it was a sacrifice that he had promised. Fat animals, an offering of rams, bulls, and goats, in verse 15. 
These offerings were the sacrifice of a wealthy person under Levitical law, suggesting that the psalmist vowed to give everything he had to God in return for deliverance for the tough times. What might you want to commit to God? We're no longer under the Old Testament law, so sacrificing an animal probably isn't the way to go. But we could vow to always have faith, choose to remember what God has done for us and not be persuaded by the ways of the world. Maybe we can recommit our lives to God. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, Romans 12. Maybe we could also vow to tell others what God has done for us. And this is what the psalmist says. In verses 16 to 20, he gives testimony again to what God has done. Even the biggest sacrifice to God was not enough to thank God for what he had done. So he must tell the story of how God heard his prayer, listened, and saved him. I want to invite you now to start writing your own psalm of thanksgiving. We're gonna, I'm going to play a song. It's about three minutes long. And during this time, I want you to start thinking about what has God done for you? Maybe you want to make notes on your phone or if you've got a scrap piece of paper, I'm sorry, I'm not going to hand out paper this morning because of the red setting. Um, but what has God done for you? What moments stand out to you across your life where you can say, yes, Lord, I believe that was your intervention. What things of long ago do you need to remember? When did God preserve you? What situations did he save you from? What times of testing do you need to remember? How has God blessed you? So let's remember what God has done for us and praise him. Hope you were able to call some things to mind there. Uh, I have now invited a few people to come and share some of their story, share some of what God has done for them. Just as the Israelites had a communal aspect to their psalms, I'd like us to hear testimonies from each other so that we can be encouraged as the body of Christ. And if you finish your psalm in the next week or so, please do feel free to share that with us as well on the Facebook group or email it to Rebecca in the office and we can pass that around. Um, come and see what God has done. Janine. Morning church. With little more than three minutes notice, three days, um, <laughs> I have a psalm to um, share with you all. Um, and as I was writing it, that song very much came to my mind, hence I messaged that to Rebecca, and she's nicely played it for us all to get me in the mood to share my psalm. Um, it is written, as I was writing it, very much between God and myself, so as in the first person, um, but I'm happy to share it with you guys. Um, Dear Lord, as I reflect on the 50 years you've steered me through this life, I know you've always guided me. As a child, I was captivated by your ways. I had a desire to get to know you better at secondary school. And at university, you instantly provided friends who knew you. My travel companions in my 20s took me to the Holy Lands to walk where you walked. And so I drew closer to you, dear Jesus. You've given me friends now, Lord, who love you and pray with me. Lord, you are my compass. 
God, you've taught me. The depths and the riches of your word through Bible study fellowship and the wisdom of others. You've taught me to lean on you. When finding a job took a worrying long time. When a step out in faith is required. You've taught me to lean on you and to get on my knees, Lord, and pray when sleep evades me in the night. You've taught me to hand things over to you, Lord, as your perspective is so much greater than mine. Lord, you are my anchor. Lord, you've carried me. Be my strength and enabler in circumstances well beyond my experience or capability. When a best friend and later when my husband plunged to depths of despair where they saw no place for themselves in this world. Those and other times you've carried me, Lord, in this journey. Lord, you are my peace and my comfort. Lord, you've blessed me. I thank you for the country in which I live, for the love of my extended family, for the blessing of three amazing children, for the love and support of my husband, for fun experiences. You've blessed me with safe travel for different, to different pockets of the world, a very comfortable home, and for my health. In all this, Lord, I see that you are my provider. I praise you, God, for your unfailing faithfulness, your abundant forgiveness, and the everlasting promises that your plans are for me, for me, are forever. My name is Amy Thomas. I'm the wife of Andrew Thomas, and I'm mother to Stephanie, Bethany, and Micah Thomas, who you can probably hear. And this is what God has done for me. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. That time when I was 14 and I was lying under a tree on the side of the road after a terrible car accident, I saw your angel come to help us and I praised you for saving all of my family. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. That time when I lost all my possessions after a drunken night out in London, the people who helped me get home, the complete stranger amongst a city of eight million people who found my stuff and returned it to me. They were your angels that you sent to help find a, and look after your very lost sheep. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. That time when I turned out to be the only one available to do data projection for a 15-week course at church for women who have been abused. That course helped me so much, and I would not have gone if you hadn't intervened and found a way to get me there. I praise you for caring about me in my lowest, most vulnerable moments. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. That time when you moved my parents to Hamilton after the Christchurch earthquake, you knew that when I returned from England, I would stay with them and I would finally find the medical help I needed from the best endometriosis gynecologist in the country who just happens to live in this city. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. 
And that time you cradled me in your arms as I lay on the toilet floor and wailed a gut-wrenching cry for the loss of my baby on Easter Saturday, 2016. You surrounded me with light and told me that you would take care of her always. I see you, God. I see what you have done for me. You have given me a new life, a new path to follow, and new motivation to help others to also follow you. You have done so much for me, Lord. Thank you. Sorry, the tears come easily. Ah. Yeah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward me, to the, to, to the children of man. I was going to just share one story with you this morning, but I feel like I need to share two. I probably have got time. I haven't written them down like you guys have. But, um, so many things God has been to me over my life, but um, I can certainly see that he has turned my chaos into order. The first story I want to share with you is when I was much younger, (laughs) I think I was 25 and a baby Christian, Um, I had Vincent as a little toddler in the back of my car, our car was old. And I was driving to church one morning and I could smell petrol. And I thought, oh, that's odd. Didn't think too much of it. And then after the church service, I was driving around. I thought, this petrol smell is getting stronger. I don't know what that is. So I drove not to a mechanic or anything. It was Sunday. I drove to the pastor's house (laughs) and knocked on the door. And I said, hey, do you think you could come and take a look at my car? It smells really badly of petrol and I'm a bit concerned. So we came out. Had a look around the car and spent some time with me. And he goes, Oh, look, I need, I'm sorry, I can't see anything wrong. I think you better go and see a mechanic um, on Monday. So I thought, Okay, then. So pulled out the driveway and started driving home. And I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this I guess the best way I can explain it is spirit speaking to spirit. And it was like, Pull over now. Not screaming, not yelling, just pull over now. So across the other side of the road, I could see a petrol station. So I just pulled into the petrol station. And this man just came out walking towards me, which never happens. And I opened the door and got out. And he goes, oh, can I help you, miss? And I said, oh, actually, I can smell petrol coming from the car. And it's getting stronger and stronger. And I've got no idea what it is. And he said, oh, pop your bonnet. So I popped the bonnet. And he looked under the bonnet and he was astonished. And he said, oh, my goodness, if you hadn't stopped when you did, you would have been up in flames. And I said, well, why? And he goes, your fuel lines burst and there's petrol all through your engine. And, of course, my heart was just pounding. I had a little one in the back and I thought, whew. So that was pretty amazing. I mean, I have had... A mechanic say to me later, oh, no big deal. You would have had a bit of a fire, but you would have gotten out. But God knew me. He knew that I probably would have panicked and having a little one in the back. So 
That's my first story. He's done so many. Have we got all day? <laughs> um, another one which is pretty profound, which I didn't really realize that it was God until years later. Um, when Daniel was born, they in the hospital they do those heel pricks, right? You mothers will know what that is. I don't know what it's called, a PUC test. Well, his first test came back positive with cystic fibrosis. And so I had to go back and have another test done. And that also came back positive with cystic fibrosis. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a condition of the lungs where you have an abundance of mucus. And usually the lifespan of those people is very short. They don't usually live longer than about 25, I believe. So when I was told this, I was absolutely devastated looking at this little one. Anyway, we prayed. My church prayed. And about six weeks later, I had to come up to Hamilton because I was living in Tokoro at the time. Came up to Hamilton and he had to have all these tests done. This little baby having all these little things put all over his body and in his throat and everywhere. And we did that and then we drove back to Tokoroa. And as soon as I got in the door, the phone rang. And I answered the phone and it was the medical professional up here saying, Anita, the test, the, the, the tests come back clear. Your son does not have cystic fibrosis. I'm like, at the time I was like, what? That's weird. Well, can you explain to me why? Like, what is this about? And he says, I, I actually don't know. He says, I don't know why it's come back clear. I can't give you that answer. And so I just remember just fobbing it off, thinking it was all just a big mistake, really. But it was years later I really realised that God heard those prayers, and I believe that he healed Daniel. Yeah, thank you, God. Morning church, I'm Jono, um, when um, Rick asked to share about what God has done for me, um, I mean God has done lots for me, um, and, and for all of it, it also reveals a bit of uh, his character and who he is to me as well. Um, so for me, um, he has given me peace at many times through my life. Um, he had, in coming to New Zealand as a kid, having to adapt to a new culture, new country, um, friendships were hard at first, um, and he's been peace to me. He has been Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Um, he has been Jehovah Yireh, the Lord will provide. Um, in the Bible, that was when God substituted the ram for um, Abraham's son Isaac for his life. Um, and he, God has provided the sacrifice for me of Jesus, and I'm a sinner, and I'm saved by grace, and I only stand because of grace. Um, so yeah, he has provided that sacrifice for me, and he's provided so much more than that. Everything else, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, he has provided for me. Um, because of his sacrifice, um, he has been Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Um, and I have no shame standing before him um, because he has, been, he has become my righteousness and taken off 
my shame. Um, because of that sacrifice, he's also adopted me. He's made me his child. Um, he's called me his child, which is amazing. Um, he's been Abba, my father. Um, and like a good father, he has given me so many good gifts. He's given me my parents, a family to grow up in. Um, he's given me my wife, Sarah, uh, my kids, um, and, and many other gifts. He's been my father. Um, after Michaela, my first child, um, we had two miscarriages. Uh, we lost a couple of kids. Um, and, and that was hard. Um, through that, um, he has been El Roy, the God who sees me. Um, he's also been the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rohi. He comforted me. He walked with me through the valleys. Um, and that's who he was for me. And also he has been Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Um, three years ago I hurt my right wrist and it never fully healed. It was always weak. I couldn't you know, do press-ups. I couldn't get out of a pool. You know, you push down on the ground to get out of a swimming pool. Um, and then about a year and a half later I hurt the same wrist again. And after that it was much worse. It was a lot more I couldn't do. I couldn't lift a jug of water. I couldn't um, turn a steering wheel with one hand. I couldn't turn a doorknob with my right hand. Um, and then about just over six months ago, Joel invited us up for anyone who needed healing. And I had a tingling in my right wrist. And after nearly two and a half years of it being injured and not able to function properly, um, it was healed. It took, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was mostly better after a couple of days, and by a week it was completely healed, and I can do all those things again. Um, so, yeah, that's what God has done for me and who he is to me. Okay. Um, I'm going to share about the things from the past, long ago, right? A little bit of background. Um, before I start my, uh, my story of God's goodness, I come from a Hindu family, uh, generations of Hindu families, okay? Um, and then also, my family were very poor. My, my dad probably didn't even finish high school, I think. My mom never went to school. And so my dad always worked in a very low-paying job through his life. My mom had to work a lot of odd jobs just to support the family income. So we lived a very simple life, okay? So that's the background, okay? So my dad became a Christian as an adult, he was 40, um, and I accepted Jesus a month after that, and, and I was um, 14. Um, and at 18, I was accepted into medical school, but had no idea how we were going to pay for it. Okay, we were just very happy, and I remember I told my dad, uh, you know, I also told my parents um, this. Our house is very small. We only had a little table, like a square table that I had to share with my three, three siblings and I. And that was our study table. When people came to visit, we had to clear all our books, and that was our entertaining table, you know, that kind of thing. So I told my parents that there was no way I was going to be able to study and go through university in that home. I said I needed to go and stay in the hostel, in the, youth, in, in the university hall of residence. And I knew that what I was asking my parents was going to be impossible for them to fulfill. But I said, I think that's the only way forward for me. Um... And in the meantime, my parents, who were so proud of me, told everyone they knew that I had gone to medicine. You know, and um, yeah, so that was quite an amazing time. Um, I didn't know 
how it's going to happen, we were just rejoicing in that fact, okay? But a few months later, someone from church, actually he was a doctor, he approached my dad and said, uh, and had some news for us. A group of people from church had decided that they were going to finance me right through university. <laughs> we never knew who they were. We didn't know whether it was one person or whether it was many people. And they told me that whenever I needed money for my tuition or for my living costs, I could just approach them. It was quite amazing. Um, I also applied for every scholarship grant that came along. Even if it was $100, I would just apply for it. So I was really used to writing those forms and application forms. Wow, I went through a lot of those things. And I scrounged and lived very frugally. In fact, it was my little sister who was working by the time already. She was a nurse, and she gave me pocket money, $5 a week. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a saint to me. My friends never ridiculed me or you know, made fun of the fact that I was poor or didn't have enough you know, money. By God's grace, I was able to complete medicine, graduate as a doctor, and the money that was given to me was actually given to me. It was not a loan. I didn't have to repay it. So it's quite amazing. The other provision was the way God helped me to grow in my faith. Remember I said we come from a non-Christian home. For the first four years of my life, from 14 to 18, I didn't grow in my faith at all. I couldn't go to church. My mom monitored my every move. There was a lot of strong opposition from my um, extended family, from my mom. And um, in fact, my, my family said, you know, my my uncles and all, they were saying that the reason my dad and I continued to become Christians, continued to say we were Christians is because the church gave us money. You know, they saw me through university, they were giving you money, and that's why you are, you know, you're calling yourself a Christian. Um, but God provided me with a group of Christian friends, both at high school and at uni. We met together weekly to study the Bible and pray. Until today, I'm in touch with these friends we're all going strong, strongly with God. God is good. He kept me from falling and sustained me through those years. There's a verse in the Bible that says, um, it's from 1 Thessalonians 5.24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Thank you so much, guys, for, for sharing with us, um, for letting us be a part of praising God for what he has done in your lives. Um, I just want to take a moment to, to pray, but maybe I'll invite the worship team up while I do that, and we'll move into a time of worship. Lord Jesus, we, we praise you that you are a God who sees us, who knows what we're going through, and desires to be a part of us, Lord. It's amazing hearing testimonies of what you have done among us in this, this congregation, Lord, among our family here. You have saved us. You have blessed us. You have brought us through hardship, Lord, so that we can stand here now and praise you for what you have done. <clears throat> 